presenting Canary P.I. in The Curse of the Cadavers, a J. Henry production. When you suds a duds, reach for Duke's detergent, now with extra bovine tallow. Plumes of smoke erupt over my wool-brimmed silhouette. I like to sit in the dock, where that dangerous and grotesque reside. Sometimes I feel I'm in good company that way. One of these days I might go too far, get in over my head, or even worse, get someone else hurt. But that day isn't today. There's too much work left to do, too much filth to sadly capitalize on. Too much bread to be made to finally settle down in that beachfront cottage. Yeah, one day I'll put my feet up and watch those salty tomatoes grow. Snap out of it, RP. One of these days you won't come out of it. One of these days you won't come out of the dock. The phone rings and I click on my desk lamp and I pick up the receiver. What do you got for me? Uh, Mr. Moore, your Moore's Mortuary is here to see you. Yeah, uh, send him in. I take a deep drag from my cigarette and tamp it out in my crowded ashtray. The knob turns and in comes a short, stocky, nebbish fellow, donned with a pencil-thin mustache and a sharp comb-over of futility. Hello, my name is Mick Morey. Why don't you take a seat and tell me what vexes you? I don't know how to say this. I'm sure you've heard about the rash of robberies and cat burglaring. It's been all over the news for weeks. Sure have. They coined the nickname the Bauble Bandit. Strikes in the dead of night. Dead. (laughs) I have reason to believe it's not done by one person. If this guy claims to be a leader of a crime syndicate, I'm buying this guy a bus ticket. Destination? Funny Farm. Tell me what you know, Mr. Mori. As you know, I am a mortician. I do everything. Soup to nuts. Embalming to casket doilies. Months back, I noticed strange things happening with my clients. I lit a Lucky and held out the pack. He shook his head. Now, I am good at my job. But sometimes, after preparing the bodies, I'd notice strange things when I returned the next morning. Dirt under the fingernails, grass stains on the cuff of the pants, old motor oil on soles. A decent mortician would never overlook such things. Uh, I'm just a private eye. What do I know about the funeral business? Why'd you come to me? Mr. Canary, you know of the cat burglar stories. You can't escape them. I know it sounds crazy, but it appears that my clients, like some of the deceased I've worked on, are rising up in the night to commit these crimes. You're right. This does sound crazy. I'm sorry, but I don't think we can work together. And I'll be calling the whirly bus for a size 42 straitjacket, I thought to myself. Mr. Mori held out his clenched fist and released a handful of diamonds and gold doubloons, landing in a clatter on my desk. How do you think I got these? Do you think I could afford it? Do I look like I could pull off these crimes? There's more back at my business. I don't want anything to do with ill-gotten fortunes. If I went to the cops, they'd lock me up faster than you could say, 
23 Skidoo. I don't believe in undead ghouls traipsing around in the dead of night to pull off jewel heists. Neither do I. Against my better judgment, I'm going to take this case, but my fees are doubled, up front and in cash. Listen here, you have 48 hours. If I don't find any evidence of foul play or bogeyman in the night, you turn yourself in and you let the copper sort this out. Otherwise, you walk out this door and I give you a head start before I call this in. This is the best I can do. But, Mr. Canary, I can't explain when it's going to happen again. Them's the terms. I don't think you'll get a better offer. Understood. I accept. Get this off my desk. Do not walk around with this stuff. You got a safe? Lock it away. Does anyone know about this stuff? Your kin, your mailman, your podiatrist, I mean anyone. No one. I have your card. You'll be hearing from me very soon. Pay the secretary on your way out. Now put an egg in your shoe and scramble. I flick my desktop lamp off and sink back into my chair. Only the soft cherry glow of my cigarette faintly illuminating my face. Get your ducks in a row now. Just two days to exonerate an innocent man or perhaps solve the mother of all cases. Could there really be a connection here? Taking down the bauble bandit. Those are the kind of scores that make careers. Those are the kind of scores that make sandy feet and octagonal shade. Let's put these size 12s to the concrete. First matter of business, let's cover the basics. Sleuthing 101. Let's knock on some doors and get a feeling for you, eh, Mickey? Mick Maury? Yeah, sure I know him. Say, you a cop? Let me see your badge. Private investigator? I don't know nothing about that. Good day, sir. Yeah, I've seen Mick around. Mostly keeps to himself. Seems nice enough, that's all I know. You here to deliver the ice? Where's the ice? Oh, Mick Marie. Hmm, well, you better come in and sit down. Do you like tea? Just the elixir I need to warm my bones. Would love some, dear. Bingo. My name is Linda Valentine. I've lived on this street for many years. What's your business with Mick, Mr. Canary? Is he okay? I've been hired by an anonymous party to check up on him. He's fine. He's not in any trouble, I assure you. Yet, I thought to myself. Well, Mick is a very special person to me. When my dear husband Rupert departed three years ago, we worked so hard all our lives just to get by. I couldn't afford funeral services. We have no kids, not much family. The bank wants nothing to do with me with little security. I made notes on my leather-faced notepad, being careful to remain attentive and not to interrupt. Well, I was ready to bury Rupert in a plain pine box up on Potter's Field, but Mick stepped right in. He said, hard-working people deserved a dignified end, a dignity that wasn't awarded in life, a king's funeral for a pauper's price. For that, I will always be grateful to that man. I'm sure you'll find similar stories if you dig deep enough. I don't think anyone will give you the time of day if they think it'll incriminate him. He's a treasure to this town. He even makes sure my walkway is shoveled in the winter and I bring him Mama's meatballs every Sunday. It's the least I can do. Thank you very much, Miss Valentine. I think I've heard all I need. Oh, lovely tea. No, don't get up. I'll let myself out. Good day, Mr. Canary. I've canvassed most of the neighborhood now. 
One thing Miss Valentine was right about is that I had been getting the cold shoulder. One thing you learn in this line of business is how to read people. Some were on the level. Some were feeding me lines so fat you could hang your laundry on them. I arrive at Moore's Mortuary, a ground floor business with an apartment on the second story. A modest property with neatly kept shrubbery. A dignified sign at the front that read, In sorrow not I will be, for the end is not, tis of thee. I ain't one for sappy consolations, but whatever puts a feather in your cap. Ah, yes. I've been expecting you. I've been getting many calls that you've been asking around town for me. Just doing my job. Let's take a look around. Show me the scene of the crime. Right this way, sir. You are standing in the parlor where we greet guests and where they can talk before going into the viewing room. To the right, there's two doors and a hallway. This is the powder room, and this is the utility closet. A commode, mop, and buckets. Story checks out. If you will follow me, I will show you the viewing room. We walk down the short hallway that led to an ornate door. And this is the viewing room. It was nicer than I expected. Persian rugged floors, chairs neatly lined up. A curtain over the back wall with religious bric-a-brac leaned up against it. We serve all denominations here and dress the room to their needs. Behind this curtain is a door downstairs to the embalming area and the lift for the bringing the deceased up and down. I jot a few things down on my notepad. Half the time I'm writing nonsense, but it keeps people focused and on their toes. Downstairs, let's go. And this, Mr. Canary, is where the magic happens where I prepare the cadavers as they come in. This is also a place of interest for your case. This is where the phantom jewels appear? Precisely. On a counter there, on the draining table. It's never in the same spot. One time, they even left various jewels in the light fixture. It looked like Barnum and Bailey in here. Kind of nice. And over there? That's where we keep our clients on ice as they come in and are prepared for viewing. I'm afraid I'll have to see in there as well. Pretty full right now, as you can see. Kinda a double-edged sword in my business. When crime and sorrow is booming, so am I. Each body laid out on a stretcher with a thin white sheet draped over. Their grayish feet stick out like macabre mannequins in a line, each tagged, all clean. Why do these ones have black tags while the rest are white? Those are for the indigent and unclaimed. I keep those until the state tells me prepare them for the potter's field. Usually buried with a blank grave marker. Such a shame. Even if they're going in a box of raw pine, I give them every care I can give them. Maybe give them the respect they didn't get in life. Coming in, I saw an apartment on the second story. That you? It's not much, but it saves time on the commute. There's a separate entrance on the side of the building. We do a quick walk around of his apartment. A quaint bachelor pad complete with soup cans on the kitchen counter and an overflowing hamper. A far cry from the neatness of his business. I tell you what's going to happen. We're going to stake out this building for the next two nights. You better hope to come back to the Bobble Bandit or jolly old St. Nick in cuffs. I can't have you anywhere near this place. Take this card and go to the address listed. You'll be staying under the name Joseph Lewis. Joe Lewis, like the boxer. That's the one. Once you're in the room, you stay in. 
You need a couple salami sandwiches, then you better plan accordingly. I will have eyes on you, so no funny business. I stopped by my office to grab my thermos and binoculars. Secretary long gone by now. I turn on the radio to catch the end of the 9 o'clock news. Clouds coming in from the west with mild temperatures going into the morning. Chance of intermittent showers. And now we go to the chief of police for the ever-developing Bobble Bandit Saga. It's been four days since there's been a robbery. We don't have any reason to believe he will even strike again. Museums, banks, and other places of interest are now at heightened levels of security. He doesn't seem to hit residential areas, but all the same. Lock your doors, windows, and take proper precautions. We assume he is armed and dangerous. We are very busy. That will be all. I clicked the radio off and I was out the door. It's gonna be a long night. I pull up to Maury's and park across the street next to a Buick Roadster. Kyla pulled up, hat pulled down, fresh pack on the dash, newspaper unfurled. Except I'm not reading. Ever vigilant, keeping this bird's eye on the task at hand. A stray cat pawing out the garbage cans. A hazed hobo in his bindle making his way towards the train tracks. Nothing. Not a damn thing all night. I arrive at the hotel to collect our dearest Mick. Same there, not a peep. We head back to Maury's. I tell him to open up and we both go inside. We walk through the parlor, down the hall into the viewing room. Nothing out of place. Then down the stairs to Mick's laboratory. Looks like nothing's out of place. Wait one hot minute. In the corner was a cold metal chair. Dead center against the back laid a single gold coin, mocking me. Where did this come from? Yesterday I made it a point for you to walk out in front of me. Now you better stop being straight with me. Mr. Canary, for the life of me, I don't know. Open the ice box and stand aside. Without even stepping in, you could see a single mud print stretched out over the floor tiles, as if the perp was dragging its leg. I put a pair of rubber gloves and I went up and down the line. Three of them showed debris from the outside world. I grab Mr. Mori by the collar and I get into his face. What is this? What are you trying to make a fool of me? The dead stay dead. They don't steal priceless artifacts. I had my eyes on this place all night. No one came in or out. Not a creature was stern. Mr. Canary, I'm just as confused and have everything to lose. I don't know what is happening. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna meet back here at 5 p.m. I'll get some chain and a padlock and I'll lock myself in here. I'll slide the key under the door and my partner who will be running surveillance on the outside. If nothing goes bumping tonight, well, you explain to the judge. I reach into my inner pocket of my trench and pull out a thin case containing some tricks of the trade. I do a quick dusting of the gold coin, doorknobs, and any points of interest. All clean as a hound's tooth. Time for me to get 40 winks. Go back to the hotel and make yourself at home. I had to call in some favors to get some fresh eyes on things, but uh, everything's covered. I go back to my office. I keep a cot in there when I'm working late nights. I don't want to get too comfortable. Make sure I'm up by four. Hold all calls. I barked at my secretary. She shrugged and nodded. I was asleep before my head hit the pillar. Maybe I'm getting too old for the grindstone. In my salad days, I could do 24 hours standing on my head. I was up on my own and cleaned myself up in the office sink. The bachelor life, eh? I said to myself in the mirror, slapping my bristly cheek. I stopped at the hardware store on the way back to Maury's. One lock, one key, all eyes on deck. 
I closed the door to the embalming room behind me with a loud thud, sealing myself in like my own crypt. I slid the key under the door to my associate. Now listen, there's a window in here you can see from the street. If I need out before morning, I'll flick the lights three times. Come lock and loaded just in case. You got it, Canary. I settle in for the night. I lay a packet of saltines and a small log of summer sausage on the draining table. I place my trench coat in the back of the cold metal chair, revealing my shouldered six-shooter. I open today's newspaper. Bobble Bandit strikes again on the cover. Read the whole damn paper. Some articles twice. Need to stretch. Open the cabinet containing various beakers and liquids. What'll it be, RP? Sandling off formaldehyde. Just coffee for me, beer tender. I'm on the clock. Yeah, you're losing it, canary. Getting to the end of the witching hour now. Time is running out for you, Mickey. Sounds like it's really coming down out there. With a crack of thunder, the lights go out. I get to my feet, but I trip forward, tethered by some unseen means. I get to my feet, wobbled, and I paw at my ankles. It's a chain. The lights come back on with a flick of the light switch. Standing next to the door is a man in one of the modesty sheets for the corpses, wrapped around him toga-like, pale and not a scratch of hair on any of his exposed skin, staring back at me blankly. Who are you? You better start talking fast, cue ball. With an explosion of flamboyancy, he started his rant. Mr. Canary, you are in the presence of the great Panini. Does that come with a dill pickle, Jack? Upon further investigation, the chain is only loosely bounded around my ankles. I am easily able to just step out of them. I am the greatest showman that no one will ever hear of. I have learned from the best. Gurus, swamis, yogis, occultists, magicians, Kielvediras, how was it said? Escapologists? He threw the padlock at my feet. I could have easily escaped you, but to be quite honest, I was bored. I'm not a cat burglar by trade. I just sort of fell into it. It comes so easily to me. And because of my vocation, I can never take any credit for my work. I have traveled all over the world, and I look for these hard luck cases, and I take wealth, and I sprinkle it on them. Mick Mori is always a few pennies away from disaster. He does so much for his community. Hard luck cases all over the city and I sprinkle a little magic all over them. One less Duesenberg in the garage for a big man in a suit. Life-changing fortune to deserving. Why'd you keep coming back here? The first handful of jewels would have set him up for life. I needed a home base. This is as good as any. You see, through meditation and breathing exercises, I am able to slow my heart to an infinitesimal amount. To everyone else, I am dead. To me, I am taking a nap. You were hiding as a black tag. That is right. What was with the zombie subterfuge? As I said, I am quite bored. 
It was amusing for me. This all sounds like the makings of a, a good bedtime story, but you know I can't let you go. I reached for my belly gun and I pointed at him, retracting the hammer. Stick him up or I'll put daylight through you. Canary. Tisk, tisk. He outreaches his hand over a waste basket and drops six bullets. What in blue blazes? I've dealt with all caliber of pickpockets. When? When the lights were out? There wasn't enough time. This gun never leaves my side. Panini outreaches his other hand and seemingly makes a ace of diamonds appear out of thin air. He flicks it in my general direction. He put both hands in front of his face, opening and closing them in a peekaboo fashion, each time flashing a different hairstyle. Mutton chops, thin mustache, bushy gray beard. Hey, that looks like the hobo from last night. He landed on a modest pompadour with a goatee. And now, Canary, I make my grand exit. He raised both hands and gyrates his fingers towards the doorknob. Alakazam! He anticlimactically reached over and turns the doorknob and walks out and up the stairs. I race after him to find him standing in the viewing room, now in a gray suit, shaking his finger at me. Meow. A puff of smoke enveloped him. He was gone. I ran outside and looked both ways up and down the street. Not a thing. The sun was starting to peek up over the hazy horizon. Did anyone come out of the building? No one. Give me a gun. Go to the hotel and get Mick and bring him back here. Okay. I jog around the building and re-enter, keeping my ears and eyes pricked. I checked the floor to see two crumpled ping-pong-like orbs mashed into the carpet where he disappeared. I stepped back down to the embalming room. A drab painting on the wall hangs askew, revealing a safe with the door ajar. Picked clean. With the tip of a pencil, I turned over the playing card that Panini flicked at me earlier to reveal a joker. At the same time, I heard the front door slam. Just as I thought, he was still in the building. Too late to catch him now, and no eyes on him to boot. He's good. I dust around the scene of the crime while I wait for Mick to arrive. Not a damn thing. Clean as a conductor's whistle. Mick stumbles in with worry painted all over his face. What happened in here? Mr. Canary, are you all right? Why is there bullets in my trash? Mr. Mori, I cannot begin to explain what happened tonight, but I will try. He looked completely befuddled and laughed out loud at Potts. It ended with him looking at me like I had three heads. There's nothing to report because there's no evidence, except this pristine poker card. You're free to go. I don't want to see you or a place like this for another 50 years. I saw all the worry wash from his face. I must retire now. I did not get any rest for the past two days. Thank you, Mr. Canary. Thank you. Maury locked up his business and quickly goes around and up to his apartment. As he pulls the cover off his bed, he finds a sack with a comically large dollar sign on it. Scribbled on the playing card read, Do some good with this. Your pal, P. Voice acted by, in order of appearance, J. Henry as Canary P.I. Frank Guglielmelli as Mick Maury. Jenny Dyer as Linda Valentine. Price Burton as Panini. Written, directed, and edited by J. Henry. Music by Pedro Sparza, Kevin McLeod, and Vivek Abhishek. Further information in details below. For information on collaborating, contributions, or just want to keep up on the current scoop, follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpcanarypi. 
This concludes the broadcast.